0: You're listening to...
1: The Chartographers! Hello!
2: Everybody! And welcome to the Season 3 premiere of The Chartographers! baby it's a whole thing Uh, i can't believe it uh for everyone who's been listening during the time that we're on break thank you so much uh we were like scraping like ten thousand plays and everything else like that it's crazy and for those of you who are listening to the first time let me just tell you something what we are we're a music-loving podcast for music-loving people where we take every single album by a particular artist and we rank it from worst to best and forget the rest. In other words, we throw back the little ones, pan-fry the big ones. It's what we do. <laughs> and so, just a little sneak preview of our season here. It's going to be full of a lot of deathy-death because a lot of people that we know and love have passed away and we're going to be not mourning them but celebrating their legacies and that's what we do and we're starting out... Oh, baby. We're starting out... With the group. <laughs> yes. I'm
1: really laughing at the phrase deathy death. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Is that the subtitle of our season? <laughs> season yeah. three of The Chartographers deathy death.
2: Yes, so much deathy death. Uh, But most importantly, though, the group we're starting out with is an idiosyncratic choice. I will gladly admit that. Their sound can best be described as kind of a jazz Rubik's Cube. Uh, It's a group... (laughs) It's a group who their albums are used to calibrate sound systems because their adherence to studio craft and perfectionism was such to a point that like some people hold them as the standard of what studio craft is, but of course, none of that would matter if they didn't have good songs to match. So that's right, guys. We're digging into it, we're talking about the one, the only, one of the top three jazz pop duos of all time to be named after a fictional sci fi steam powered dildo. That's right, guys, we're talking about Steely Dan. Uh, the Nightfly, if you're nasty. So, uh, Steely Dan, they are uh, basically there's been a lot of musicians, a lot of amazing musicians who have been part of the Steely Dan lineage, but when you get down to it, it's two guys. Donald Fagan and Walter Becker and basically they met at Bard College the story apparently goes that Fagan was walking down a practice hallway heard uh Becker playing it was just like oh that guy's pretty good went up to him and said hey do you want to be in a band that's the incredible legacy that started out and the opposite
3: and the opposite I've also heard oh okay (laughs) that, that Becker was walking down the street and heard Fagan playing piano
2: they're also, believable. I believe Fagan to be more the outspoken, be like, hey, asshole, you be part of my band. You know, I can, I can believe that personally. But they eventually, like, they became part of other bands. They took over those bands because their songwriting was so superior. They're kind of assholes, as we're going to get into in uh, in great detail there. They wound up becoming part of a songwriting factory. They eventually yeah. landed a song uh, on uh, Barbara Jones Streisand, an album by an artist who we'll never know the name of. Uh, but eventually, the producer of that album, Richard Perry, was just like, hey, guys, guess what, you cool cats? I was just named head of ABC Records. I think you guys should be my head songwriters they're like cool man and eventually they began writing songs he's like you know what we should you should maybe form a band together and like kind of like flesh them out a little bit here let's throw in a david palmer there to make it all sound smooth (laughs) and good and eventually they came up with the debut album and the rest as they say is history they have a long crazy discography and we are going to rank it today who's the we glad you asked First off, coming back for a brand new season three is me, Evan Sodi You might know me as the interviews editor of Pop Matters. Uh, you might have seen my writings on MSN, but I hope that you know me as the host of this wonderful podcast that I love the fans so much. You've been so great. Uh, but if you've been listening to this podcast at all, then you know the person sitting next to me, the co-creator of the podcast, and most importantly... The Fagan to my Becker. That's right, guys. <laughs> Taryn O'Reilly is in
1: studio. Taryn! What up? How you doing? I'm fantastic. Season three, baby. I'm so excited. Yeah. This is a very... We've, we've done, like, pretty huge artists to open our other se- seasons. So uh-huh. this is, like... Yeah, this is a very interesting choice. It's been a fascinating research week. But <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. Right.
2: Because the thing is, you and I, we could talk about all the ups and downs of Steely Dan with relish and joy and pleasure... But the thing is that we have amazing guests in studio. In fact, I would go as far as to call them not just guests, but the The Chartographers Chartographers (laughs) All-Stars. Because, (laughs) let's be real, (laughs) the two people that we have, I didn't even think about it at the time. I just thought these would be great people to have to talk about Steely Dan. Uh, These are the people that introduced us individually Mm -hmm. to Steely Dan. Uh, the first of which, uh, our beloved old-timer, uh, he is the founder of Left <laughs> of Left Center, he was actually a guest on season one when he helped us out during the incredible Fleetwood Mac episode. Uh, that's right, guys. You love him, you know him. Ned O'Reilly is in studio right now with a bag full of Steely Dan LPs as well, because he keeps bringing it. He's also got a cool hat on, he's going very, uh, who are you going to ask
4: today? Denny? Zennie Diaz. Yeah, you are going, Zennie Diaz. Lost a few pounds. Don't don't wear the overalls <laughs> I was anymore. Say, yeah. No overalls.
1: <laughs> I I do note you're also wearing your chartographer's t-shirt it's under yeah under, <laughs> your, under <laughs> your sweater. We love branding.
2: Uh, so uh, you're here and I love it, but. On top of that, we also have another another dear friend here. You may have seen some of his uh, music videos and short films that he's directed. He is the keyboardist and co-songwriter in the band Feral Hounds, who by the time you hear this episode should have something out. You can hear it Feral Hounds, most importantly. Hound. Yeah, Feral Hound apparently. Okay. <laughs> Ferrell Ham. we'll take care of that in post, we won't. Uh, but most importantly, by being here, he sets a chartographer's record of being the first guest to appear on all three seasons. That's right, he was in the Beck episode in season one, he was in the Weirdo Yankovic episode in season two, and by appearing on the Steely Dan episode, you can use context clues to tell that he's white. That's right, guys. It is JC Shakota here in studio.
3: How's it going, guys? How are you doing?
1: JC's finally on an episode with me. I was just Uh, just going to
3: say, me me and Taryn have never been on the same episode for some reason. For some weird reason. I
1: know, exactly. There's only been three that I haven't done, and two of them were (laughs) JC. So, Um, this is great. Sorry, I, 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 I cut in on your... Your stick. I, I just I just wanna know
3: who is the gaucho amigo. It's <laughs> a good question. And why is he wearing your spangled
2: leather poncho? That is a great question. We're gonna get into all of that
3: <laughs> here in yeah. Terrence
2: wondering that question, but plus a Alright, so guys, Steely Dan. Uh, The great thing about them is that they have a very nice and tight discography of nine albums. Now, if you want to be an asshole, you could be like, "Oh, they did the soundtrack for Walk and Walk to It, Talk to It, whatever," which was a Fagin Becker creation. There's been a lot of Fagin Becker stuff before and also after their official, like you know Steely Dan discography, because like you know Fagin and Becker, they produced each other's solo albums, they did stuff together. And if you listen to the Nightfly by Donald Fagin, it's basically a Steely Dan album for the most part. But at the same time, it's not. We're not counting.
3: Minus the bite.
1: Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Absolutely. It's people loved him. I'm sorry, are you trying to claim Gaucho has bite? (laughs) Well, well all, right, all, right, all right, we'll get, it, we'll get it there. All right, cool.
2: So, in that case, we do have nine albums to talk about, and I think we can pretty much all agree these are the ones that are, there's nothing out of play. First off, there is the pop heavy debut of Can't by a Thrill in 1972. There's a slightly more elaborate expansion of that sound with Countdown to Ecstasy in 1973. There's the real heavy introduction of the jazz overtones in Pretzel Logic in 1974, also their first major, major, major hit with Ricky Don't Lose That Number. There's, of course, the further experiment of that of uh, Katie Lied in 1975. There is the bracing The Royal Scam from 1976. There is the giant jazz Grammy nominated at- hit that was Asia in 1977. There was, some would argue, the Patient Zero of Yacht Rock that is Gaucho in 1980. <laughs> they took, uh, we'll get into why they had a long, long break, but they finally came back together with the Album of the Year winning Grammy album Two Against Nature in 2000. And their final album, As Steely. Dan, everything must go in 2003. Now, in terms of ranking those nine albums, we don't have any other thoughts, ideas. Like, that's pretty much that
1: straight through. Those are the records. There's nothing else to add. Alright, great. They don't have, like, B-side comps. Yeah,
4: actually, there's a fabulous record that we don't have to rank, but uh, my brother owns it. It's called Becker and Fagan, The Early Years. And it's a bunch of stuff that was was basically demo versions when they were the house songwriters right at mm-hmm. ABC and I believe it includes one song that they ever recorded on studio and I can't remember what it was because I don't own the record I remember hearing it sing yeah yeah, but it's out there there's a lot there's a lot of times I go eh during the sociography but there's also a lot of things I love during
1: it
2: too
4: and, <laughs> and we know historically glare.
1: the death glare you just got from JC
4: <laughs> we know historically that uh here at Chartographers, we don't include live albums, but there was one in yes. 94 called Alive in America. That's true. Right. Which at least had one exclusive track, and we'll save that for later.
2: Exactly, because they, after they tried doing a touring on the first two albums, they realized, oh my God, we fucking hate touring, and became basically studio hermits for a yep. while. Do you know so. why
3: they wanted to go back on tour? Money? Some, well, yes. Cocaine? What? <laughs> no, I not about cocaine. It's because they wanted to hear what Babylon Sisters sounded like live.
4: Sure. Yeah. All,
3: All right. right.
2: Okay, well, there we go. Fun factoids dropping from the sky. Guys, uh, let's get into it. We have nine albums to rank, nine spots. As always, we're going to debate it. A good argument can change an opinion there because like, we all have our thoughts and feelings, but we're also understanding of everyone else's things. It still could be outvoting. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, nine albums, nine slots. Uh, old man,
4: you have oh, been here... <laughs> He's OG Seely Dan. I'm going to start singing Neil Young if you keep calling me that. (laughs) Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you. Welcome Welcome to season seven of the
2: Chartographer. All eight billion albums. Uh, So, Ned, uh, you are... Even, we have a lot of respect for the knowledge that you bring here, but you're also weirdly enough the newest person here because Jay Z's been on two episodes, sure. so you get the special task. We're just talking about it. We're not locking anything to place. But dear Ned, what would you nominate as the worst Steely
4: Dan album? Well, first of all, I can't be no savage. I can't be no highway man. Um, for me, <laughs> it's it's such a log jam. The quality is so consistent, but. One one of those nine albums really stands to me uh, stands out to me as the weakest, and that would be the album of the year Grammy winning, two against nature. And
2: oh yeah! Oh my God! Uh, I'm yeah. so happy that it's, you said that.
3: It's got to be one of the two.
2: I know, cause like
3: post hiatus,
2: right? And the thing is that. We, we could get into a lot of the details of it, but it feels like, especially from the classic era albums from 72 to 80, it, it, you can argue in some places, but for the most part, their sound is evolving with each album. Like, yeah. it's kind of like, it's not always the hippest thing, you know? They're doing jazz pop, so, you know, that's always gonna be kind of counterculture to whatever's going on with, like, extreme, you know, like, metal or dance or anything else like that. But, like, they <laughs> always had a very specific, you know, sound that kept to it, but they evolved it and grew it out in different ways. Mm-hmm. It feels like with Two Against Nature, it's not necessarily that they picked up where they left off. It's just, I think there's just the stubborn refusal to change their sound. Maybe it's just they're getting together for the first time in, like, a while, or I'm not sure what the vibe is, but, like, it's different. It's
3: looser.
1: (laughs) It's, It's looser, and it's also, it's, for these two albums, they sort of, like, forgot what a good pop melody is.
4: Yeah, the melodies and are very like the
1: melodies, and and it's, it's a little more steeped in jazz. Right, it's it's more jazzy than it was. And when you're looking at on Two Against Nature, my l- spoiler alert, least favorite Steely Dan song <laughs> is called Almost Gothic, <laughs> and the main melody of the chorus is "She's Almost Gothic in a Natural Way," and it's like it sounds like what like. The dumb kid in your high school music class wrote for the songwriting yeah. project. Like it just doesn't have any, any notion of enjoyability. Confession: I like Almost Got. It. Oh, really? Honestly, okay. I
2: kind of do too. But that's just that's its own thing. There's still so. Okay, m- but
1: what about West of Hollywood?
2: <laughs> okay, West of Hollywood. Yeah. I would argue is one of the worst things ever because again. As we've discussed in <laughs> the discography and Taryn had this great thing that he said during research week he talked about how uh, one of the things that really hooked him into their discography was their solos and their use of solos yeah. they brought in yeah. incredible guitarists and incredible jazz players to help really accentuate and expand upon the melodic ideas in a lot of their songs. West of Hollywood ends with this blaring blah, 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 like Flight of the Bumblebee bullshit <laughs> that goes on for like it's an eight a minute fucking time. song. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. And like I, I want it to be over way before it's over. It's Really, really rough.
4: well for me. The record, you know, the record just has way too much noodling on it. Yeah, you know? there's a couple songs that are only in the four minute range, but most of them are too long. You like and me. it's because they just let the soloists go, and you know, the soloists are their friends, and so yeah. they let them go, and that's part of what they do. But but you know, when I've heard the seventh. Tenor sax solo on the album and you know, yes, four too many for me.
2: I'm not sure yes. yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not gonna lie, there's some songs I almost like, like I kinda like Jack of Speed, like kinda
3: sorta Cousin I, Oh go. No, I was gonna say cousin Cousin Dupree is Probably. If I'm not listening to the lyrics, song. I might enjoy this. Well, well <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, that's kind of Steely Dan humor, though. Mm. It's very, like, risque.
1: Is it humor? Mm-hmm. Or is it just.
2: It's cute? just. When I, I, s- wait, wait, what was it? When I saw your cousin I, Janine walk in, I think all it's I could say nervous. is,
1: ouch. I mean, yeah.
3: it's humorous in the same way that everyone's gone to the movies is humorous. Yes. Yeah. It's humorous. In, oh,
2: okay. <laughs> we'll, get we'll
4: get there. We will get oh there. You could also <laughs> argue that what <laughs> it is is honest. That you know, he's admitting at forty-five years old that he's always lusted after his cousin. Yeah. And you know, some of us have to go through those kinds of admissions, but it doesn't like, mean we want to hear a song about it, it, over it over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> is it implied that third, like he's
3: supposed to be older, the, the character necessarily? See, we I used thought to, they were the same. We
4: used to play when we were three, exactly. Yeah, yeah. we so were. They're, so they're the, same, the same age. Yeah. yeah. Whereas others, i not.
0: not other any age. I'm not
4: advocating
2: incest. I'm just saying that. Chartographer, season three, we're back, baby. We're not advocating incest. Yes. Uh, no, so not yet. Woo, but, all right. Uh, you know. So okay, all right. You know. What, let's just before this turns into a weird direction. And also one last thing I need to bring up real quick: the bullshit of all bullshits to ever exist in this universe. I want to read off the wow. albums that it was up against. For oh, album of the year when okay. it won in 2001
4: <laughs> because it a time achievement award
2: i mean it really really was because like the thing and or we, it
4: was a lot of old jazz players on the academy yes voting that's and, a yeah. lot of what happened And as we
2: talked about especially in
4: recent years session musicians and producers and stuff
2: like how the grammys they will always go with a safe choice for album of the year which is why like yeah. celine dion has an album of the year thing and you that's know bruno
4: Mars james taylor won, won one Beyonce
2: and, hasn't won one. Yeah, and she's put right. out some very innovative Makes stuff. Makes no sense. But the year two against Nature won, it was up against uh, You're the One by Paul Simon, Midnight Vultures Which also by. also didn't Beck. belong
4: there. I'm sorry, back, yeah.
2: Yep. The Marshall Mathers LP by Eminem. doesn't belong there. And Kid A by Radiohead.
4: Yeah, they had every opportunity to do something interesting and didn't. Yep, that is <laughs> Which it. Is, yeah, they're, they're just they the Grammys' motto, I believe. Yeah, that got robbed. Yeah, so uh... I
1: am. Um, <laughs> I will say in defense of this album, I know you don't like it, Evan, but I, I have a soft spot for Janie Runaway. I think interesting. It's. It's like it's inoffensive. I don't like need to listen to it again yeah. because I've listened to it like five times this week,
4: but For know, me it's, it's the title track, Two Against Nature, because I think it's the only song on the record where they did something different. Yeah. It isn't it isn't uh, you know, a showcase for the tender sack section. All right. All right. It has some different percussion ideas on it, Jay- like, I,
3: I like What a Shame About Me. Okay.
4: Like lyrically. What a shame. It's going at number
3: oh, nine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, okay, do you,
3: you think it's, it's? I don't know, we don't want to really waste our time too much talking about these two albums, but you think but it's uh, worse than Everything Must Go? I do. I actually I do. do.
2: And here's the part of the reason. I feel like with everything must go, I feel like they f- kind of settled into a bit more of a groove on this one. Now bear in mind, there's a lot of shit I fucking hate on this goddamn album, like no mistake. Yep. But at the same, but at the same time, I really feel like while well, two against nature is kind of the sprawling, like they just throw kind of melodies all over the place. Everything must go is a little bit more contained. It's tighter yeah. and, yes. and yes. it has
4: it has more rock to it. Uh
3: huh. Just
2: That's just just, like just a
4: hint it. more. Better, and, but.
1: I mean, I prefer chilling at the Manatee Bar. I don't know
3: Chill about you guys, at the but. Manatee bar.
1: Yeah. Um, no. Okay. So the thing is, it's it's a tight race, and I don't really care either way where yeah. we place these. But yeah. I will say the only song on either of these records that I actually like thoroughly enjoy is Godwacker.
4: Yeah, I'm loving Godwacker. On the case, my um,
1: bird. Yeah, all of that background shit, and um, I would enjoy Pixeline if it was not a Steely Dan song. Flash of spectacular <laughs> thigh. For I. <laughs> Weird, weird out. I mean, what that's ones? exactly how, that's it like. how he sounds. how sounds. Late era Dan- Donald Fagan does not sound like a human. That's true. That's he sounds very, like Kermit. I, I well, will say Green Book, lyrically...
3: Lyrically. Lyrically, lyrically he's like the only one on these albums that I think can kind of be compared to the earlier records. Yeah. Just like how kind of obscure... It like,
2: is. Okay, and actually,
3: um, though musically, it's not really my favorite or anything, but
4: mm-hmm. well, at least on Slang of Ages, Slang of Ages. I was going to say Slang of Nature. You know these. Well, things who gives a shit? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Walter Becker takes the lead, which he yep. did. All of oh, except but he it's not. Correct.
1: It's not a good thing. Uh-huh. Are you
4: from <laughs> the? It's, it's
1: a point.
2: <laughs> are you from the Netherlands or did you mean <laughs>
3: Netherworld? He's okay. kind of like a, he's kind of got like a Boss thing going on. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> like a terrible well, they, they
2: buzz together. Yeah. yeah, but honestly like the one thing is that like there are like Taryn and I we have all the most polar op- we hate this album admittedly but we have polar opposites of which songs we don't like sure I kinda like The Last mall, begrudgingly I so.
1: fucking hate The Last <laughs> mall. <laughs> I hate <laughs> it I
2: like The Last
1: mall. I <laughs> hate yeah. it so like, much I hate why? it why do you hate so it so stupid <laughs> <Our> lyrically, <laughs> on our face lyrically it just like doesn't need to happen it's a last Kiss call the chicken, to do girl your. Sh- oh well, that too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's. A, I'll just say. Yes, yeah, just really off the top. There's a lot of real misogynist shit across everything.
2: Yeah, yeah like things but, I miss the most.
1: The talk. Ooh, Speaking of things most, I hate, what's yeah. ironic? That song. I mean, that song is just like him bragging about the rich shit that he had, and then yeah. they blew it all on coke, and so they don't have it anymore. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't think they're
3: being serious about that, though. I think that it's supposed to be ironic. I mean, they have a line in there about you know. I miss the house on the Gulf Coast. I miss the house and fucking wherever. Yeah.
1: They're they're, they're making. Is that a mockery. ironic, or
4: is well, this, I think they're making are a. Mo- they're, mo- they're making houses mo-
1: they had that they wish they still had.
4: Well, I'm also gonna. I s- think they're making a mockery of it. Yeah. I need to throw out there that these are you know 50 and 60 year old men singing these songs, so it doesn't shock me at all that you don't care about that or even are incensed by it. it. Makes perfect sense because, you know me commenting on the passing of shopping malls in America as a sad thing, Mm -hmm. you know, means something because I was there when Woodfield opened 350 stores (laughs) in 1975. And that was a huge deal culturally. Yeah. Now people don't give a shit about shopping malls, but for for decades it mattered a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're of that era.
3: And I will say that, you know, in defense of these records... In a way, I think it's kind of cool that they embrace that they're singing about being, you know, fifty-six-year-old yeah, dudes.
2: Yeah. You are an old I, man at heart.
3: Yeah, know? this is true. <laughs> I mean, well, what do you want them doing? Like, you know, laying down some like hip-hop slang, like on eleven Ooh, tracks of like I would hate whack. that. Exactly. Like, you know, like. Yeah,
2: they, they already tried that, that. they know. But, I will say though, another one that Terren hates that I actually enjoy: the final song, the title track, "Everything Must Go." It's I, a weirdly. Almost fitting like swan song for them as a sure. band. Like it's just you know they you know they're gonna liquidate the assets and you know mountains of you know liquor or whatever. Once
3: again, making a mockery of like you know sort of those big corporate scandals like Enron or something like around that time period.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. You, your I, thoughts on that sort of changed my mind. Yeah, I, like, like it's I, almost I, I, accidental. Still, I don't still, like like it right, right yeah.
2: yeah but like I listen to it you know like we're closing up for business everything
4: I must say that so... I I didn't even buy that record when it came out because Two Against Nature underwhelmed uh-huh. me so much and so I just got it from the library two weeks ago 15 years after mm-hmm. the fact and it's the first time I've ever heard it and and you know I'll, <laughs> I'll rip it to my hard drive That's about it Pick a couple of songs
2: So can we all agree then that everything must go Must go at number 8
4: I'm alright with that. Yeah, fuck it, why not? Alright.
2: Okay, well, you know, J.C. with his controversial opinions, what have you, I think we're gonna get a little something there. So, number nine, Two Against Nature, number eight, Everything Must Go. That leaves us with uh, the original lineup of albums. I think most people probably know what that is. So, J.C., you are the person who introduced me to Steely Dan. You're an expert of some realms or regards. Sure. What would you nominate at number seven?
3: I don't know if this is gonna be controversial or not. It probably will be. But, um... I'm going to go with Pretzel Logic. Okay, I'm going to tell you why. Okay,
2: yeah, please, please. Well, for, yeah, please, set us up in the context and then walk us through why you think it goes
3: there. Okay, here's the thing about Pretzel Logic. I I really like Pretzel Logic. Mm-hmm. I think all these records are fucking great. They're all yeah. classic yeah. records. Yeah. Ricky yeah. Don't Lose That Number, classic hit song. Any Major Dude Will Tell You is one of my absolute favorite Steely Dan songs. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. But if you really go through the rest of the tracks... There is something that's kind of slight about it. There's a there's a lot of like genre hopping, which is cool, but there is sort of this tossed off, you know, a lot of short songs, a lot of mm-hmm. just and a lot of these songs I know for a fact dated from their Jane and the Americans days. That yeah. was their first
4: gig. They worked yeah. for
3: Kenny Vance, I think. If right. you've
4: ever heard of Jay and the Americans, uh, yeah. they're, they're pretty much awful. <laughs> yeah. But yes, but These guys were connected with them, you're yeah, right, yeah. they played yeah. with them.
3: Fagin and Becker were, you know, they were kind of like Brill Building-esque songwriters at that point, mm-hmm. and a lot of these songs date from that era. And they're not bad songs, like, you know, I like, I think Charlie Freak is really interesting. I fucking actually love Through With Buzz. Yeah, that's like their only song that actually—it's one of their only songs that has strings on it, which is really weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, like with the gun. I like with the gun. It's—it's it's like okay, but you know, I actually like Pretzel Logic a lot more that I since yeah. I discovered it's about time travel. <laughs> but um, you know, I don't know. I'm not that crazy about Barrytown. See, uh, okay, it's so it's okay, but. If, if we're going to I, put something on number 7, I can tell you're not from Berrytown. Yes. You're just like a Berrytown. Uh, if, if I have to put something at number 7, I'm putting press logic there.
2: Can, I just want to push back a little bit, because I think that had we recorded this without Research Week, if I just went in, like, just fresh with what I know, I probably yeah. would have been like, you're right, I agree with you, number 7. But during Research Week, of all the albums, press logic kind of unfolded for me a little bit, and I was surprised... There yeah. was some production choices on there that were so very surprising. Uh, during Charlie Freak, there's kind of this weird like like this weird like string synth sound in the background on there. Yeah. During Monkey in Your Soul, there's this like fuzz guitar bit, this burnt and I'm just like, there was a lot more musical diversity going on on this album than even I initially thought. Like I yep. can even mm-hmm. handle Night by Night, which is not something I necessarily would have said going into research week. I love
1: Night by Night. Yeah, yeah. It's so epic. That's I mean. Yeah, this cool. this album, like I think, Barrytown is probably in my like top five favorite Steely Dan no, songs. So really? I'm gonna push back real hard on this. Okay, yeah. um, yep. and obviously, Ricky, don't lose that number. Not only is it their biggest hit, it's also like definitely one of the best pop moments they've classic. ever made amazing <laughs> Jeff like, Abster
3: solo too when, you, so,
1: when you're looking at I mean I totally agree through with Buzz even though it's only a minute and a half like it does what it needs to do and then it gets out fucks of there up. which is I perfect. could just if yeah. it was three minutes maybe it'd be too long yeah. you know yeah. but like and then you look at again Pretzel Logic like one of my favorite jams they've done like I okay. just I, I also was very surprised at just how much I connected with this album this mm-hmm. week it, in a way, I think, I
3: almost think I would have liked it a little better if it was like a double record. Because it's kind of like them stretching out a little bit. Into okay. Different it it could have been like a white album kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah. Kind I was, I was about to say
1: it almost. it's kind of too earlier in their career for that but it feels like a white album yeah. moment because yes the genres well, are gosh it nice. has
4: 11 songs on it which is more than they had on well, any, any other, other album,
1: album. Which yeah. is <laughs> but I also I love Parker's band mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's, you know it doesn't do anything brilliant or new but it just yeah. like it, it he, does what well, it does so well here's the thing that really
4: struck me during research two weeks <laughs> slash your whole life <clears throat> well no I'm talking about during the last couple of weeks as I've been listening again is I always kind of knew this, but, um, for me, as the band evolved, they got more and more cinematic. I always mm-hmm. one of the, the things that always appealed to me is you that they're go. storytellers. You don't get love songs from Steely Dan, and when you do, you just kind of go, "Yeah, okay, uh, <laughs> fair." You know, "Pearl of the Quarter" is mostly good because of the steel guitar and the harmonies. I love mm-hmm. but and stories, harmonies yeah. and that. And that the harmonies, And anyway, so, so the harmonies are great. But
1: across their whole discography? But keep
4: going. so there's a lot of image evoking. On, on their stuff. And for me, Charlie Freak is is like my second favorite Steely Dan song ever. It's Damn. that good for me. And I have it's, found, it's I've cool rediscovered song. it different times and it's still that good for uh, me. Ned
1: and I actually performed that. We together. did. Wait, really? So, yeah. Really? We performed
4: it at this very special, very small event, but we do have a recording of it. <laughs> oh and uh, our friend Britton played the piano I no and Taryn did the harmonies and the tambourine and... My brother Bo, who's a music aficionado but has never quite embraced Steely Dan, asked us, so whose song is that? And I said, that's Becker and Fagin, Bo. And I really felt like <laughs> I, I had something on my older brother that he just didn't know. And this is, you know, 30 years after. <laughs> right, right. right. Awesome. But yeah, that song is very, very dear to me. And yet the album, I understand press logic at this ranking because things are that close to me. I don't have it here. I have it slightly higher, but... Okay. But I understand and, that ring. Yeah.
3: Quick factoid about Charlie Freak. That was actually one of the songs they used to, when in their early days, they used to literally go from door to door peddling their songs in Tim Pan mm-hmm. Alley in New York. That's what they did. And that was the song they actually played. Really? really? For, that was great. For, for like, you know, A&R So it's kind guys. of like, hey, and if they you like, them. Yeah. So, if you
4: like this yeah. one, then wait you know. until you see what else. Because if you yeah. don't like this, right. never mind, right? Yeah. It's <laughs> like, like this weird
3: German folk song kind of. Yeah, it's very it's very fun. It's it's, like, fun. it's, a, it's a gypsy yeah. song.
2: Right, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and so you nominated for number seven, yeah.
1: Taryn, What would you have nominated in that slot? This is really hard because it's between two things. I mean, I'd be
4: happy to break your tie for you. Go <laughs> ahead.
1: <laughs> so this album that I'm about to say both has my number one favorite Steely Dan song on it, and I also think that the back half is pretty like you can just kind of forget about it and that is the royal scam Ooh, kid, kid charlemagne is my number one Me favorite too. steely dance number song start to finish it is absolutely fucking brilliant all of the different movements it goes through it, about totally, yeah. it totally breaks song conventions left and right the harmony right. vocals on the chorus are fucking impeccable. The kind of the guitar. and but then if and you go through that again that first half through the fez caves of Altamira is that's an brilliant. amazing song. Don't take me alive is obviously one of their most iconic songs. And ever. you are just a
2: bookkeeper son too, yeah. And you don't want to
1: shoot no one, yeah. And the fez yeah, is like life. stupid fun, yeah. The, and you know <laughs> Do it, it just has a it has it has two <laughs> lines and they just keep repeating them and that's okay because then it, they just, just all the Fuck over the rest of but it. But yeah. the second half is like again; these are like good Wait, songs. You, you so don't like, love Haitian divorce. I think that what? Haitian divorce was a really <laughs> weak rhyming scheme. I feel like they wrote the first couplet and then they figured needed to think of something that rhymed with that, and they came up with Haitian divorce. And I just like the, these songs again. I enjoy them, but they it's not on the same level consistently as. Basically, the rest of the albums from their peak era. What so. about green earrings? Do you do you like green earrings? Green earrings, oh it's my you're god! Called, huh? uh.
4: Well, for me, uh, that has always been my sentimental favorite. And among the two people I mentioned earlier that I always used to listen to Stephen with, that was our favorite record collectively. So I've <laughs> always assumed for 35 years oh. that it's their best record. In listening recently, I understand the flaws of it. My view of it is slightly different from yours, although Kitcharleman agree totally, but. um, I had an epiphany about 10 years ago with the Royal Scam, the title song. Mm-hmm. It is oh, a dirge, and, it's, and if you're not ready for a dirge, you don't want to listen to it at all. Yeah. But if you are ready for a dirge, and all I can say is that there are times in one's life uh-huh. one is ready for a dirge. <laughs> it is a phenomenal dirge, and it tells a great, great story. And what I always it's liked about it previously yeah. was all the guitar licking in between the lines. That's you know, but they do that several times on that album. Huh? They do it on um, "Sign and Stranger" and they yeah. do it on "Gold Earrings." It's kind of what they adapted it. But but it, but that song to me, that sealed it. When when I really embraced that song about 10, 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah, because Russ. So yeah. I would rank this album higher.
3: Go ahead, Ross scan scammed the song. I mean, it's it's basically. I think it might actually be about Haitian immigrants coming to America. Uh-huh. And and the royal scam is America. Sure. That's, like, that song is, like, one of the only political, I think, songs that Steely Dan ever really recorded. Um, which isn't, like, to say that's, like, the reason you should like it. It's just something that... Yeah, it's, something, it's, a, it's yeah. a thing to note. Yeah, it's a thing to note. Um, you know, there's a lot of... First of all, this is like the last record they made that you can say is still in like a rock and roll kind of vein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a... Yes, I would agree with you that. Know, and there's also a nastiness to this album. Like yeah. just sort of like a... A little
2: bit of, Again, the bite we were talking the about The bite, earlier. yes.
3: Yeah. Which I always attribute to Walter Becker. I think it's both of them. But Becker to me is the guy who, you know, really has that sardonic...
1: That grit. Hmm. Yeah. That minor yeah. key sensibility. S- sensibility,
3: exactly. And I think this record has a lot of... A lot of that. All right. Um, so I love this record. This was kind of a dark horse for you, Numero Uno for me. Oh wow! Um, I think Royal Scam is great. Wow, okay. I mean, so it has I. this
4: like dark funk energy. I mean, so really like so this. Right. Yeah. Think, yep. We may have to come back to Royal Scam. Yeah. yeah, you've nominated here yeah, you in this spot. To say, I, get I
1: think JC and I have like
4: opposite lists. <laughs> yeah, like uh, probably we'll reverse orders. Yeah. So, After after um, we take
2: care of albums.
4: Okay. I mean, they're all great. So do that's, I get to nominate a number seven? I, you know, if you want to, throw it out there, baby. Because my number seven is Gaucho. Mm.
1: I almost, yes! I almost got yes! Gaucho. Woo! No, and JC's so <laughs> sad. That's... And,
4: and here's, where, here's, where think, here's where I think it's a, it's a big difference in how you came to Steely Dan. I listened to Gaucho like crazy in the early 80s. It, it was on my... It tentative. was your glamour profession. I know the songs backwards and forwards. But after decades now, when I go back to Steely Dan, I never go back to that record. It's interesting because the opening line of Glamour Profession is 6.05 outside the stadium. I have this thing with times of day. When I see 6.05 on a clock, that song comes to my head. So that has happened to me like 50,000 times in 30 years. So that song always comes to my head. Head And yet I think it's the weakest, the second weakest song on the album. Wait,
1: for real? That's my favorite song on this record.
4: But but think about what you
3: just said, that that just that line, okay, created a picture in your head.
4: It did. That (laughs) line did. But Third World Man is the opposite of the royal scam. It's a dirge that just drives itself into the ground. I have pretty much no use for it. And... For me, if there's a song on a Steely Dan album that I have no use for, it drops the whole record down because I have plenty of use for everything on everything else. Okay. And so anyway, so, yeah, please. Do, yeah, okay for the record, have we heard enough from me about Gaucho? Or do we <laughs> I, 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 I
2: could be wrong. I could be wrong. I think Gaucho is JC's number one.
4: Absolutely. It's yeah.
2: not yeah. even close. All right, so walk us through, walk us through everything that's great about Gaucho.
3: I'm uh, sorry, that won't count as an argument, <laughs> yeah. Come on, I mean, guys! You know, essentially what we're dealing with is this sort of satirical tragedy um, that's centered around... You know, okay, fine, whatever. Okay,
2: continue, continue. You know, continue.
3: I, you know it, basically it's a concept record about... Some people think it's about multiple characters. I actually think it's about one guy. I think it's about a talent agent. And basically the gist of this record is, you know, you could seem like you're a winner, but in reality, you're
4: a loser. An idea explored much, much better on Deacon Blues. But go ahead. Well,
3: yeah, but de- that was a song. It's a little bit, bit album, in a different right?
4: context. Deacon Blues is
3: more. There's a more of a sentimentality to that. There's there's more of like a hopefulness. Well, it's like, also projection too. That yes. One. Yeah. This this there's no sentimentality here. This is this is a mockery. This this is the album that is basically about their time in L. A. Okay, so basically Steely Dan are East Coast dudes and they moved to L.A. in like 72 sure. or whatever and they lived out there up until the time they recorded this record. They moved back to New York. I
2: thought that was around the time of Asia though. No. Oh, okay. Asia
3: kind of sounds like a New York record to me but yeah. it's it was recorded in L.A. So this, this album is all about their time in L.A. And I don't know, I think this thing is fucking profound. Honestly. Because oh. it's, you know, it's about there's just like so much to it
4: okay I mean, it's, for, it's, for, for me it's musically a pale limitation on every level of Asia
1: right and that's the thing for gaucho is that um unfortunately the 80s happened to everyone
4: <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it really gaucho
1: is a sign of the times in that it took that that like precise technical mm-hmm. sound that Steely Dan hand had with all these live instruments and then there are all these synths and it just sounds so much more washed out. And I, and I, I, I honestly, I love the song Glamour Profession. Yeah, But, but, you His vocal same. take is fucking awful. Really? Illegal, yeah. s- s- or illegal fun. <laughs> Under the sun, boy. <laughs> well, he does it. You know, he purpose, does that, I, think, but yeah. I mean, right. But like, it's kind of hard to listen to. Also, the chorus of "Gaucho," the title track. <laughs> Who is that gaucho amigo standing there in your spangled leather poncho? Yeah. The
3: suds that match your With eyes. The suds
1: that match your eyes. That or your sort of audacious cowboy will never be welcome here, here in the Custer Dome. Basically, <laughs> if we can sum that up, it's who's this homo? He's not welcome here in these parts. Well,
3: yeah. I okay.
4: No, I, yeah. I hear that, but. Go ahead. <laughs>
3: I know what you're saying. I think if you actually listen to it another, like, 200 times like I have, (laughs) you you might consider the fact that the protagonist of the song is actually gay, Uh and he's in a relationship with another guy who brings home the gaucho, and it's, you know, it's basically a song about their relationship... And you know, I, I don't think it's that simplistic. The thing about Steely Dan is you can't take everything at face value.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know they That's are why playing. I've never drank
2: an Gold before.
3: I mean, these are characters they're playing, and Gaucho in particular. They're storytellers. Are, these are character yeah. portraits. This is this is like cinematic. You know, I mean, there's images on this album that, you know, just stick, just haunt me. It's a haunting record. Haunting. Wow. I, sir, I mean, the Babylon Sisters t- haunts you. Yeah, drive west on sunset to the sea, you know. That's haunting? Well, you know, well, but, you know, the end of that. Uh,
4: <laughs> I think Gaucho, the title song, is the best song on the record. It's kind of grown to be one of my so favorites. It's so hooky, and the it, melody just goes all over the place, and he actually sings it pretty well. And the lyrics are ridiculous. That's, I
1: will say, I think, yeah, Gaucho, the title track, is maybe my favorite Fagan vocal take on this record. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, Time out of mind
4: would be next for me, but yeah. Um,
1: but I also just to go back to you mentioned Third World Man earlier, yep. and if the reunion al- albums didn't exist, that would be my least favorite Steven Dan song. Cause it's such a downer. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just it, there's just nothing happening. Yeah, there's nothing. I don't I don't, I don't think that it accomplishes anything. And especially and, and knowing maybe I'm maybe I'm
4: spoiled. Especially knowing by... that they had a bunch of other songs for that session. That were better. It had to be a better song, but whatever.
3: Well, to me, Third World Man is actually kind of the key to the record in a way because the song that was originally supposed to be there was the second arrangement, which Mm -hmm. most Steely Dan people would know actually got erased. So then they're like, okay, we need one more song. And Third World Man was actually an outtake from Asia, and they changed the lyrics around. And basically, Third World Man centers around this guy who's basically so like his life or whatever so fucked up that he's just been reduced to like crouching on the lawn mobilized since dawn. And to me, that song, the reason they chose that song is because you see this record, I think they started out where, you know, they're singing about characters and they're singing about LA, mm-hmm. LA and they're mocking that. But I think they ultimately realized they were singing about themselves in a lot of ways, in particular Walter Becker. <laughs> and I yeah, so, and, and I think Third World Man is sort of where they ended up as a band, in particular where Walter Becker ended up. And that's why the record ends that way. That's the whole point of the record. I can it's see that. It's a downer
1: record. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the entire B-side of this album is about Walter Becker's addiction it's a triptych basically i mean when you're looking at time out of mind my, my rival my and then if you add my third world my man to that i mean I, c- I
3: can definitely see what you're saying there and they all split the tempo in half in each of those songs so that well, that, okay. well i'm That's just gonna,
4: getting real i'm gonna argue I, I loved hearing your analysis of the yeah. record and i loved that you like it that much and that you get that much out of it but to me that doesn't mean it's a record i want to hear again very so, and, like, and, and it, it certainly th- doesn't mean that it ranks higher than five other records on this list. Right.
2: So the other thing, though, is the fact that when we could go ahead, we may very well outvote Gaucho, but I want to throw one last thing out yep. here. And because, JC, we do love you dearly. Yeah. Out of curiosity, what would you throw at number seven?
3: Well, I mean, well, he already I said. said press oh. Said oh. logic Oh, okay. And that but if also... I wasn't going to choose press logic it's tough. Yeah. Probably can't buy a
4: thrill.
2: Nope. Right. No. So... All number right. 7.
4: Uh-oh. Number 7. Are we in agreement on that one? Yeah, so what wait, what's going number 7 then? A Gaucho. Gaucho. Because two of us said that. three.
2: Three yeah, oh, of okay, us. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Right. Yeah, we are we Jesse's, are in firm agreement. I made, I
1: made my case. You did. You did. You did. And, I, and I appreciate your case. Just listen and to I, it another 200 I, times and no, maybe you'll come No. I about. legitimately <laughs> think that after we record I I I'm going to go listen to it again. It's just that it doesn't there's nothing there that I like love. Yeah, I, in the I way that I do with yeah. any of the albums before, it, it well, might be an
3: aesthetic thing too. Right? Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, I like kind of like that early, and you, 80s. And you know,
2: even among Steely Dan fans, it's still like there are it, yeah. their favorites. There's not like one that everyone like congeals around. Like everyone has different favorites with this particular band. Yeah, well, I you mean, like
1: early '80s saccharine shit, and I like <laughs> yeah immediate. And you pop like bad, '70s, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, you do like bad. <laughs> Oh
4: my God! I, and I think of it in terms of the seven first records. You know, on a scale of one to hundred, they're all over ninety. Even Gaucho, mm-hmm. to me, is a ninety. It's a B plus record. Okay. It's just that the other ones are A records for me. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, Fair enough. So the next one, I believe, uh, the denominations that we have out there for number six <laughs> yeah. at this point would be Pretzel Logic or The Royal Scam.
4: Well, there's no way I'm agreeing that The Royal Scam is the number six. The logic. So I would. Okay. So in logic. that
2: case, let me toss something out here on yeah. my end. Though. I, you
1: know what? Go ahead. Now that Gaucho is below it, I can I can yeah. put Pretzel Logic there.
4: So we all agree that Pretzel Logic is no, number six? No, 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 no,
1: no.
2: Okay.
1: You are going to disagree. Oh, we yeah. get
4: to hear from Evan. All yeah, right. damn
2: right you get to hear from Evan. Uh, weirdly enough, it is an album that has actually a lot of songs that I really enjoy off it, but I, a lot of songs, just not every song, and the amount of other songs on there just don't strike me the same way.
4: Yeah.
2: Katie Lied. Honestly, yeah. because there is a lot to really like on here. When you have an opening of like Black Friday, yeah. Not that you said Gators,
4: it, I would put I would put uh higher than Katy.
2: Exactly because like there's that, and of course Taryn doesn't. Uh, we again another disagreement that we have. I love throwback the little ones, crazy vocal takes <laughs> a sign. Not me. So
1: the, <laughs> problematic.
2: The arrangements so, on there. I just. Yeah. Oh, it just. It, for some reason, it strikes me the instrumentation on that is just amazing. But no, e- that song's
1: not okay even in 1974. Uh huh. Walk lost in the barrio which A is not how you say that word. <laughs> I walk like an engine. Engine. I paint my face and dance in place and act like I belong here. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, fucking God. Oh, no, 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 well, no, no. Okay. Go to the movies, go to the movies, go to the movies.
3: Okay,
1: uh, okay. so, right. so, <laughs> okay. everyone's gone to the movies. I ha- I don't I don't remember hearing this song
4: before. There's Wonder- a reason I didn't play it for you when you were a child. Absolutely, absolutely
1: understandable. I fucking love this song. As far as instrumentation uh, and arrangement yes. goes, yep. I Same think
2: with they're like the little
1: ones. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. However, it is most definitely about an old man who wants to show porn to a seventeen-year-old. It's true. Oh maybe, not just seventeen years. Maybe a younger.
4: He yeah. wants to show it to younger people than that. That. Yeah. So, it, you know...
2: Again, and when we talk about the characters that they embody and the things, there's a lot of themes that come up throughout these records that are just yeah. like problematic in a couple different yeah. ways. So I still there's a lot of songs I like on here. Depending on the day, I could be down with Doctor Wu and of course your Golden Teeth that too.
4: Great but when you yeah. think
2: about like are you Rose, Doctor nah, nah, Wu, but
1: right, when you think about Rose lies. Darling,
2: when you think about Daddy, don't live in that New York City no I more. I love
1: Rose I... Darling. You don't like Rose Darling? No. Yeah. See, Rose Darling to me, it doesn't sound too much like Steely Dan. It it sounds like full-on mid '70s pop music, sure. which is probably yeah. why I like
4: yeah. it. Yeah. Well, Michael McDonald does the harmonies, which he does on a bunch. And that's but he's... Can, we can we talk about, about Michael, Michael, Michael McDonald and how
1: fucking awesome yeah.
2: he is throughout the entirety of <laughs> the Steely really Dan discography? Every
1: time he he pops up, you're like, oh shit, it's Michael McDonald. <laughs> and sometimes it's
4: just is... for one line. And right. And right. They use him well.
1: Or like, or yeah, I think it's I'm um, Kid Charlemagne. Yes. The only vocal thing on the last well, chorus he does a little like just he just pops it up there and does an improv yep. and then that's that's all they, need so from they needed. Him. For, so yeah. it's
3: actually the first um recording session I believe Michael McDonald ever was a part of, which is like at all. insane. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah.
2: yeah. So that they they be- found him. Yeah. yeah. They found him. So while there are songs I like on here like there's more I like, and more risks I think happen on Pretzel Logic than on Katie Lyde. and that would like, be great. And even yeah. though I'm not maybe the biggest fan of the Royal Scam, even though I appreciate a lot of the Royal Scam, there's Katy Lyde is too inconsistent for me, despite having some favorite songs off That's it, fair. to consider it like a full blown like yeah. album like this. I'm not gonna fight and go. to I, I gotta
4: tell a now. quick Katie Lyde story. Okay, my friend Dave, with whom I always bl- listen to Steely Dan, would. Play uh, Throwback the Little Ones on purpose when my sister Beth Ann came into the room and she would run out of the room screaming <laughs> at the whole notion of that song. That's all I'll say about it. That's awesome. Here's That's the thing.
3: Yes. I love Katie Lied. Uh-huh. Um, if you guys want to put it here, whatever. Um, but if it, if do to, whatever. to me, there's Steely Dan pre Katie Lied and Steely Dan post Katie Lied. This is kind of the genesis of where, well, Parts of Pretz like Ricky Don't Lose That Number is really the genesis, but from like an album standpoint, Katie Lied is the record that would sort of define where they ended up in their career. And I guess if you're someone like me who likes no, that's the like jam.
4: It's not Katie Lied. <laughs> well, are you sh- well, yeah musically. Yeah. Mus-
3: musically Katie lied I mean it has like that heavy jazz influence. Yeah, so what?
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, compelling arguments across the board.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, you're basically putting out that the heavy jazz influence was more important in some way. And I smoothies. actually much prefer the band when they had Skunk Baxter in it. Mm-hmm. And, That's you know yeah. when they were not a studio amalgam. Yeah. I love the studio amalgam, but I actually love more the band. And a lot of that. people would agree with you there. Yeah.
1: So yeah. I go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I also. Uh, something that surprised me this week and how much it grew to me was uh, grew on me was Gold Teeth Two. Um, the, the intro is fucking amazing, yeah. and especially yeah. because yeah, Gold the Teeth intro. the original is just copying Lady Madonna, and so like I like the idea that they took that idea of the song and turned it into their own musical piece. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, see thing. how they roll. Like, it's like it's almost I'm the exact sure, same thing. Like it's almost like the exact bad. same thing. It's just a slight difference.
4: No, it's sure. not. I <laughs> never <laughs> noticed that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It literally is. Okay. Yeah.
1: Instead of see how okay. they run, they go see how okay. they roll. Yeah.
4: Well, yeah. maybe they did and that on purpose. They yes. All yes. The that's what we're saying. Oh, my God. But, that's, yeah,
1: that's exactly what I'm saying. All right. I get it. Okay. So see what you're saying about it. Yes, Honestly, now that we've talked about it, I think I would agree that Katie Lied is below Royal Scam. Okay. So
2: can we, at the li- most part, agree Katie Lied would go at number six? I know JC. JC with his crazy opinions. that, that, that we love. Crazy. <laughs> it's,
4: it's good to have contrasting. Yeah, yeah. You
2: know. Okay. So in that case, Katie Lied. Great number, album Number, number six. Yes, I fucking love that one right there. Yeah. Katie Lied, number six. A lot
1: better than Royal Scam. See, right now, like... <laughs> I, love, I like the Royal Scam yeah. cover. I like it, but Even Katie Lied is a great uh, album Becker cover and have said that uh, the Katie Lied cover is one of the ugliest album covers that's ever been <laughs> <Really>? made. <laughs>
4: yeah. I love the fact that Katie Lied is the title of the album, but that wording actually doesn't appear in the song, Dr. Wu. It's Katie Lies. Yeah. And I so, you get get know, when... When you're listening to the language like I always do and one it's one of the reasons I love these guys, that matters to me. You know, stuff little stuff like did that. Did Katie
2: lie? Katie did. Yeah. Uh, right. so uh right. it- the, yeah. So, uh, that,
4: yeah, and there's a reason they didn't use that for the album title. <laughs> right.
2: I wonder why. So in that case, we are down for the record uh, to recap, because we're 50 minutes into the podcast at this point. Number nine, Two Against Nature. Number eight, Everything Must Go. Number seven, Gaucho. Number six, Katie lie That means up left we have Camp by a Thrill, Countdown to Ecstasy, Pretzel Logic, The Royal Scan, and Asia. So... That being said, we've kind of had some nominations out here. Now that we're at, this I think point, we probably
4: get through five and four pretty quick.
2: Exactly. So I mean, but because yeah. at this point we're debating between pretzel logic and the royal scam, with the, uh, JC throwing out randomly can't buy a thrill for some inexplicable reason.
4: So oh, I think it, it's explicable. It I is guess. explicable.
2: Yeah. All <laughs> right, all right. So uh, in that case, Ned, if you had your druthers, what would you throw at number five?
4: Next. Where are we? Number five. Number five. Yes. <laughs> I had it a moment ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's not, it was you, you. mentioned What was the one we already talked about that we haven't ranked yet. Pretzel well, Logic. Pretzel Logic, I think, is next. JC. I agree. For Pressel Logic,
1: I'm. Um, I can be fine with that. I know. I would
2: personally throw the royal scam there and then pretzel logic, but also mm-hmm. like I, I don't Honestly I don't personally have to win
1: that debate. I would put I would also put content ecstasy below pretzel logic. But I <gasps> not know I. I know that I, I can read the room and <laughs> Very smart. Very I know that that's not gonna happen. All so right. we can we can uh, Pretzel Logic. I think Pretzel Logic is number five.
2: I think that's a very fair... Because, guys, we've had... Listen, all things considered, opinions aside, this has so far been a great discussion, and I really appreciate I all of yep, you yep. being here.
4: I really, really do.
2: All right, so in that case, number five, does that mean between Count not by a Thrill, Countdown to Ecstasy, The Royal Scam, and Asia?
4: Can't buy a Thrill is number
1: four. How about we talk about a Thrill a little bit? I, I mean, yeah, we need to... Let's discuss it.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm. Their debut... Um,
1: it's, yeah, it's their debut, and it's, it's the record that I knew the best going into this week. Okay. Um, and because, again, I like 70s pop moments, and that's what this record is yeah. more than anything else in their discography, absolutely. To the extent that, as many people will know, their label, or was it their manager, made them get another vocalist to make them sound a little more... Yeah. It was right?
3: Donald Fagan was also very insecure about singing, particularly live. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I think he kind of wanted somebody else to, but. They
4: got over that, but. Yeah. Well, I think, well, actually, I think what, the
1: rest from, of the band convinced him that, like, no, we like how you sing these yeah. songs. They're What's fun universe.
4: for me, one of the most fun things about Camp I Thrill is that there are three different lead vocals. Right. That is true. Midnight Cruiser, which is the only song drummer Jim Hodder sings, says. My God, this guy could add a solo career. He's a great singer, great. and that song is terrific and could have been a hit. and mm-hmm. It wasn't, but two other songs yeah. were.
1: Um, but I also, I mean, I would personally put Can't Th- Buy a Thrill a little higher just because it's just so good start to finish. Like, it's one of the albums that I can just put on, and I don't need to skip any single thing because, I mean, it also has... Three easily of my favorite Steely Dan songs, "Do It Again," obviously oh, yeah. classic. That I mean, it's that I. You're talking about there's like pre and post "Katie Lied." For me, it's like "Do It Again." "Do It Again" <laughs> sets the tone
4: for their yeah. entire. And it was career. the first thing you heard. It's yeah. almost yes. it's
2: almost a door song, and I mean that like profoundly. has dating. like the Latin. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But then you also have, I mean, obviously reeling in the years. Yeah, a, one of the best really is one of the two times. or three
4: best pop singles of the entire decade of the 70s and you're talking to someone who knows them all mm-hmm. backwards mm-hmm. and forwards from the time and there's no question in my mind it's one of the two or three top pop singles and of that that,
1: time. that song itself was my introduction to yeah. Steely Dan. Um, and and uh, then I also think Only a Fool Would Say That is one of my favorite songs. It's not, it's not like a big blow-away central number, but it just it's clean and quiet, and it has beautiful harmonies, and it has this nice, like almost tropical cool vibe to it. Yeah.
4: Well, one of the things that struck me in, in trying to break these ties near the top was how many times I talk about guns on this record. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yep. It's in at least three lyrics. And, and A, either they were really <laughs> so into guns. Arbitrary. Yeah. Um I mean with a gun obviously about guns. Yeah. But but they mentioned guns several times on this record. And they mentioned guns throughout their career. i am i am a I'm a Avid, avid anti-gun person. Right. Okay. I get yeah. it in a lyric. I I'm get not gonna, in a story. Yeah. You know everything you did. Not, I'm, I'm not going to demerit the album because the they mention some guns. Yeah. 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 Takes...
3: Steely Dan songs deal with cd characters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, they
4: write about criminals. Walter they write Becker about drug dealers.
1: Fucking addict. Yeah. He probably owned they, a lot And guns. they lived yeah. in L.A. during the '70s. I'm yes. sure they knew a lot of people. Yeah. who Were CD but anyway, I mean, so
4: you know that's a little thing, but it was bugging me recently. It it bugs me as much as the misogyny, which. Definitely bugs me. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, which there is, again, a lot of it there. I'm just more amazed that... Are, are we, like... I'm just kind of like... are Is this even real? Is this even a discussion that we're fucking having? Because, like... Can't buy a thrill is so goddamn good, like, almost straight through. It's, it sounds like, honestly, a greatest hits album, not necessarily even for a band. It almost sounds like an era-defining type thing. Because the thing about this week, like, for whatever dumb fucking reason, I've had this album for a long time, but it wasn't until I saw the movie American Hustle when uh, and their brilliant use of dirty work on there, and I'm like, wait, that's Steely Dan? I'm like, fucking hell, that's Steely Dan! And it's just like, that song is just like... Amazing! It's, like, almost, like, typifies. Like, it's almost, like, yeah. you know, it, like, kind of an amalgam of every trope that you know of, like, 70s pop rock, but it's just so well executed there. And even this week, diving into it there, like, I'm and not even the biggest fan of Fire in the Hole, but, like, melodically, All there right. are so many, so many things, like, kind of almost Beach Boy harmonies they get on uh, Turn That Heartbeat Over Again. Mm-hmm. Like, even, like, when they're talking about, you know, throwing it out for the good King Richard and the King John and, like, everything about kings. Like, this album, like, It comes of a certain mindset, and you could even argue it's the least Steely Dan sounding of all the albums that came afterwards. You could even define that the you know jazz Steely Dan is a little bit more indicative of what Steely Dan is. That doesn't stop me from loving the fuck out of blatant pop song Steely Dan either. Like this album is like stunning. Like to me, like it's not flawless. I will gladly tell you it's not flawless, but I thoroughly enjoy almost every song on here.
3: It's a great record. Yeah. Um yeah. the singles in particular. It's better are just than the Royal the Scam, a. I'm Re- telling you. Elliot right Randall now. solo on Reelin in the Years. Uh-huh. Jimmy Page is on the record is saying that that's his favorite guitar solo of all time. Damn.
4: Which... And it was Elliot Randall? It wasn't even one of the two guitarists. <laughs> I know, yeah.
3: Who are both amazing guitarists. Yeah. Jeff Skunkbaxter did. We'll, we'll get to but, this later, but which
1: song was it? Was it for Black Cow that they did the soloists? Oh, uh, no, no, no. It was
2: Pig. It was oh, actually, it was, yeah. They
1: brought in eight different guitarists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they then they and they all put their own spin on it and they were like, No, that's not good enough. Next day they brought someone else in. And so and they're all and, really and so, good guitars. It's not so. you know they're like the best and that, guitarists. Was like, that was like the beginning of that. They yeah. were like, Well, we know that we could play the guitar solo on this song, but it won't be what it needs to be. So we're gonna get yeah. this other guy who yeah. we know is it has a yeah. different And They do that all the time, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: It's a great record. I mean, for me, it does feel like a debut record. I mean, some of the songs, I mean, they're, they're finely crafted pop songs, but they're safe. I think Countdown to they're Ecstasy
1: saved. feels more like a debut record than Can't Buy a Thrill does. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Nope. Right.
4: Can't disagree with you more. I mean... <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Let's
4: talk about it. let's yeah. talk about yeah, it. I think it's going to be pretty hard to settle this one through four.
2: Which I'm okay with. It's yeah. okay. We, we get there. It's, it's kind of the, point of the show. So, Exactly. Exactly. Well, we
4: basically <laughs> talked about all but two of the records. Right. So, we talked about the Royal Scam a lot. Mm-hmm. And...
2: Right. And the thing is that, like, again, when these other vocalists come in here, they're still kind of a pop rock band for the most part. Camp by Thrill, let's be honest, is kind of a pop rock album, all yeah. things considered. Yeah. Countdown to Ecstasy, when vegan is very fully, guess what, you're the guy, you're the front man there. They very much are expanding beyond this template that they set up with Camp by Thrill thrill because who would have ever thought they would have brought on kind of the country affectations of Pearl of the Quarter or that they would have the thrilling horn arrangements in a song as simple but as complex as fucking my old school there's nothing simple of a mild school exactly it an incredible incredible song. It's, it's like is. a great pop song but you listen to the arrangements like yeah. where the this holy fucking like verse is well, the best is horn
4: chart they ever absolutely
2: yeah, absolutely the absolutely. horns, the
1: horns I mean, because the horns like serve as a beautiful accent during all of the verses, which are like solid 70s pop up yeah, verses. Yeah. And then my old school has three of the <laughs> best guitar solos I've ever heard in my life. Like, and, it, and it's so, and I love how, you know, you hear that it's like verse, chorus, there's these amazing harmonies, which they use all the time. But the harmonies end, and then you hear one single cowbell hit, and you're like, "Oh shit, it's happening!" <laughs> and then and you're like, "The cowbell's happening." That's the most seventies thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And then the like the horn stabs through all of that. Like they could have just had the cowbell and the horn stabs, and that would have been a perfectly enjoyable that, song. Still. To show and you. then that yeah. guitarist is
4: just destroying it. Destroying it. Yeah. Like, it's and that's after telling this yeah. very complete, very thorough. Story, which yeah. I I hear as the best the best story, certainly the best yes. song ever yeah. written about being in college. Yeah, <laughs> ever. <laughs> right. About yeah. any aspect of so being in, college. in the boys' and
2: heard about the whole affair. Right. And like the thing is that I will say that Countdown to Ecstasy is not flawless because like I generally like Razor Boy, even though it is very yeah. you know elliptical there. But like honestly, this week, ready for you. Yeah, the Boston Rag kind of blew my mind a little bit this week. Yep. Like that the fucking guitar line on there when they do. Like, like, and then you have the backing thing, like, oh my god, it's just, like, thrilling how that arrangement comes together. And I can, listen, the thing is that, like, Taryn, he has his own feelings about uh, Showbiz Kids. Oh, does he? Yes. <laughs> uh,
4: Going to
3: lost wages, yeah. Las Vegas.
2: Showbiz Kids making movies yeah. out of themselves.
1: No, that's just, I mean, uh, it's not a terrible... My ter- records
4: aren't right all here. Yeah.
1: It's not a terrible song, but show, the the, that what you just oh, said. that that lost wages it Vegas. just keeps going and it's it's annoying yeah. and it it doesn't to me it doesn't add anything to the song I think I would honestly enjoy the song more there's there is there are good elements there Har- like the backing vocals just are so monotonous I, I like it but perfect. I know what you're yeah. I know what you're saying I think
4: though. the song is perfect um, <laughs> on the first couple of records they put little one liner descriptions of each song and they're totally tongue and cheek and smart ass uh-huh. and you know two of the songs on on contact is see, referred to the giant girlfriend of camden new jersey whoever the hell that was uh-huh. and uh um and on razor boy they say jeff the skunk baxter sheds his skin and stands as the wild boy you know like that <laughs> and and on and on the last song which is king of the world all it says is my face is on fire. I mean it's just,
1: <laughs> just, <great. laughs> just fucking great shit. Oh while we're mentioning King of the World, yeah. your oh. face is on fire because of the fucking insanely fast guitar riffs yeah. that are happening that <laughs> entire Denny Diaz. time. Yeah. And that's like I I honestly I'm not totally sure what the vocal melody of that song is because I'm not paying attention to it. I am paying attention to the insane technical guitar work that's happening in the background.
3: Yeah. This record more than any of the their other records, well, I mean, they only really had two records to show it, but this record proved what a great band yeah. that original yeah. band okay. was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I
4: could buy they, that argument. And they, and they stretched more than on, on by Thrill, and you can tell because there are only eight songs instead of ten. They said we're going to do what we want to do, right? Yeah.
2: And that's why, like, for me, like in talking about like by Thrill, Countdown to Ecstasy, in Asia in comparison to the Royal Scam, like we could talk about like ups and downs of each of them. The Royal Scam, I think, it just has the weaker back half. Out of any of these things, and they are like I can't moments agree that with shy. You. Okay,
3: Green Aries yeah. is so
4: vicious, like that funk yeah. man. It's, All right. Yeah. It's and Ancient Divorce is a masterpiece. It's a it's an incredible story, and it's not just an easy rhyme. There's there's a real serious story going on there, and it's not an easy story to take. All right. So let's
2: just put it this way to settle it though, because we have a lot of opinions on there. Let's just go around the room and let's nominate our number four, see if we can lock that into place. Okay. I'm telling you right now, mine's the Royal Scam.
1: Same.
4: T- t- royal scam. Can't buy a thrill. Can't buy a thrill. Ah, uh, fuck. This Huge. is why we don't have four people. Yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: Um
2: Listen, I and here's the thing, like, I mean I'm pretty like staunch about this, but like
4: ultimately if Go ahead.
1: I okay. I are we are in agreement that well no
4: <sighs> Are we in agreement on the top two? I, I guess
1: well, we. Well, no, we like, aren't because right. "Can't Buy a Thrill" is in my top two. Yeah. So I guess
3: we could ask what's the best song on either album, and that could be the. Time well, we're record. not talking about songs. Yeah. We're no,
4: talking yeah. about yeah. But, That's a weird way to do it, but yeah. I, I hear uh, it. yeah, I I don't exactly. Know. Well, you know, "The Royal Scam" is my number one. So. Uh, oh, is, is it? Are it's my, you really? My, my numero.
2: It's and your, it your number two? two.
4: Holy shit! So All
2: right. Well, fine. Well, fine. Fuck you. Countdown so, to ecstasy. Wait, 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 wait.
3: I would put Countdown to Ecstasy
2: below Royal Scam. But wait, 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 wait. What? Asia. In Let's talk about discussion, Asia. Yeah. We're yeah. not talking about
3: Let's, Asia. That's because... It's, new... kind, well, well, it's kind of the elephant in the room. It's yeah. not my number
1: one. It's... It's... Okay. <laughs> so that's... I think Can't Buy a Thrill could be my number one. But then I listened to Asia this week, you know, and and I I went into this week knowing that there was a lot of hype around Asia, that it was their best-selling record and that, you know, it's the only one that they did like a song-by-sound breakdown on how they recorded it. Like, it, but it really is that good. Like, as I listened to it over and over again, I was like, oh shit, no, there really is not a single, there's not a single weak track on here. There's not even a single single weak moment for me. Like there, it just, it doesn't have my favorite Steely Dan songs on it, but as it goes through, I mean, it has just this, the sheer ambition of it, that, mm-hmm. that A side, when you get Black Cow, Asia, Deacon Blues, and they're all just so, this is where they, they're expanding everything and you really want so This is to... the Night of the
4: Expanding Man. Yeah. That's,
1: that's like, <laughs> yeah. When they like Asia is an eight minute song and I don't even notice. I, it, I'm like I look at it and I'm like oh shit I'm seven minutes into this and I I just like uh, lost
2: it track of Definitely isn't a time. rock song either. Yeah. It's not well, like funny. this is the moment where they like because the, all the albums previous to this was like almost like jazz rock or I mean you could argue fusion. I don't really get it. I, I tips
4: don't think something. so. You keep saying that I, I don't think so. I don't hear hardly any jazz in the first. You don't hear lines. any fucking jazz on Ricky, Don't Lose That Number? I, nope. hear, I don't hear... That's, that Ricky. is a soft rock song. I don't hear it's jazz. Really, really I hear Kitty I hear...
1: Huh? hear Kitty Lied. Kitty Lied has
4: blues on it more mm-hmm. than I hear it has jazz. jazz
1: chords. Uh-huh. I hear people and, who and are... And that's probably true. I hear true, people who but, are fans of jazz and are using jazz studio musicians to elevate their rock music. Yeah. But not until, I think, Royal Scam and especially Asia... Do you get true like jazz elements? This feels like a jazz. Yeah, I don't jazz feel remake. any jazz
4: on Royal Scam, which is interesting because it, there's a bit of it on Katie Light. I think it's more blues, but 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 it's in absolute full force on Asia. Oh, it's absolutely!
2: Masterful. It almost feels like such a and the thing is that it feels like such a clean break from the Royal Scam. Like it's almost like. Two, you could almost argue two completely different bands recorded that's, that you know i, I like, kept mal- thinking
1: that they came out farther apart this week yes yeah, so it's, it's like one year, year. what is one year at a
4: time yeah and gaucho would have been out in 78 if things had gone well but <laughs> everything gone. went wrong so it took two yeah. and a half more years yeah that I'm but they would they were doing that's was the 70s you did an album a year it's what you did it yeah. was what you were contracted to do right right and yeah so they were expected and if they didn't have to tour they could just pour all in they'd they poured thousands of hours of studio time, probably, yeah. into Gaucho. Now,
3: do you remember listening to Asia for the first time? What that was like when that first came out?
2: Yeah. Right. It's part two of the podcast coming out. Well, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> well, I
4: mean, I probably heard the single first. Uh, the lead single was Peg, uh-huh. and it, it's just fabulous. It's and, absolutely fabulous. And it's, it's you know It's pure, so unabashed. That's fun.
1: where I'm talking yeah. about. And
4: there was no song like it that ever That there's like
1: fully jazz moments on this record because... Michael McDonald's backing vocals on that track are so So complex. He talked about in in the what was that?
2: Oh, the classic albums thing? Yeah, in the classic albums
1: thing he talked about how difficult it was to record because he was he was singing you know, he learned basically like a oh, tenor well, part and alto part, yeah. and and then and they are so tightly close together, and all that
4: syncopation. it's,
1: exactly.
3: it's supposed to be arranged
4: like a, like a big band.
3: I think horn arrangement.
4: Yeah. that yeah. was the idea. Oh, yeah. totally. Like his vocals on like the band horns. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's
1: why he's yeah. up there. Like, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, but then of course, let's also not forget Black Cow, which is just that's this you know stellar opener. Black Sample Cow for me copy. is like my number three. I I sometimes Mm -hmm. try to
3: put myself in, like, you know, when I listen to older records in particular, like, what it would have been like to hear that when it came out. Yeah. And to me, like, if I had been a fan of Steely Dan beforehand, and then you hear Black Cow, you're like, holy shit, this is something completely different. Totally.
1: Well, and the thing about Black Cow is that it almost feels like where it all was going to like there's still those like pop rock elements in the songcraft of it and then it, it explodes into this huge
4: what well, well, moment two things one is one is that um, the the major reason to listen to Steely Dan I tell you talk about what it, what was your impression when for every song was a puzzle I mean, yeah. there was something about virtually every lyric, you know, Rose Darling might be the only exception, <laughs> or Pearl of the Quarter because they're straight-ahead love songs, but everything else is like, what the fuck is this ooh about? They, they, you know, they, and you had to figure it out, and they were using slang that nobody used in the Midwest, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. tonight when I chased the dragon, what the hell, yeah. you know? And I you know, I was a kid with an alcoholic father, so I I shunned alcohol. So when yeah. Cuervo Gold was a lyric, I had to find out what it, it was. Meant, yeah, 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 You know. Um, but Black Cow somehow is totally straightforward and yet what? Drink your big black cow and so get out time. of here.
1: That is such a moment. They explain it. It's it's just like a root beer float. Yeah.
4: I know exactly what a yeah. black cow is. <laughs> yeah. And it was like you were expecting them to get more sinister and it's like yeah. they just don't. No, just this just is like a right song now. about I don't want to talk to you right now. Fuck off. Yeah. And exactly. it's brilliantly made. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all it's about. The other thing,
2: the the bridge of fucking Josie. Uh, for a second there. The guitar tones they achieve on that, those Becker guitar tones were just like otherworldly yeah. to me. And Josie's such showed a up for that song. song. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh my god. Um I jo- also I just want to talk about I got the news for a second. Yeah. Because that's to me, that almost feels like and it's it's placed this way on the album. It feels like the expository song in the third act of a Sondheim musical. Yes, right. you know, <laughs> Yeah. It, oh, yeah. That, that, that piano. Dink, <laughs> dink, 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 dink. And then, and then at, just, there's these big string swells and then in the, just smack in the middle, there's a full Michael McDonald moment. Yeah. It's
0: yeah. 20 Broadway seconds Duchess. long yeah.
1: and then he's out. And He doesn't sing anything else on the song, and it's just like it's it like it feels like years are passing as this song is happening. That's yeah. when when you talked about earlier about how they get more cinematic, cinematic as yeah. Yes, yeah, as their career goes yeah. on. Like, this album is full cinema from start to finish, and
4: mm-hmm. yes. yeah, it's still really hard for me to say it's my favorite, yeah. Or why, what's, keep,
1: what, yeah what's keeping what? it away from that
2: for you?
4: I, I, I know.
2: Oh, J.C. J- J- knows. He was kicking them for me. Well,
4: there's a couple of things. I mean, we've talked a lot about the Royal Scam. I know that that's, that's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. It's what I was going through when that record mattered to me. And, you know, the sheer brilliance of the brilliant songs on it. I think mm-hmm. the Fest is kind of a waste of time. And it's actually a weak spot. And everything you did, while I love the chorus, the rest of it bothers me. And so yeah. So, it, when forced to choose between the four records, was to, I be fine with it landing at number four, although I know sentimentally in my heart it's my favorite, it's the one I've listened to the most, there's no Mm -hmm. question of that. I think what keeps Asia off the top for me is I really do prefer, just a little bit, the rock band sound to the jazz sound. I completely get the masterfulness and the lyrics on Asia are just great, but I know, and I've been listening for decades. What do I keep putting back on? And it's Countdown to Ecstasy, and it's Campfire Thrill, and it's The Royal Scamp. Yeah. and it's you know, and Asia is is up there, but it's not, it's just not the top. Uh, for instance, during research time, I you you messaged me yes, that day it happened. I literally like an hour before that, on my way to work, had Razor Boy on and broke into tears, and that lasted through the Boston Rag. I listened to that record again a few days later and didn't quite get there. But then today on the way here, I cried on showbiz kids. <laughs> so there is some deep, deep emotion, sh- emotional shit there for me, and I can't ignore that. Mm-hmm. And it got me on a day like today putting Countdown to Exodus Exodys as, as the number one record.
2: Whoa. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah. A couple thoughts on Asia. Uh-huh.
3: Um, obviously fucking unbelievable record to me deacon blues is their masterpiece okay um, i know some other people that, that feel that, that way that yeah. song just everything that band was about and everything that band represented can be summed up in deacon there it blues. is yeah but it's not my favorite and i sort of was thinking about this i'm like why is this not my favorite it's obviously a masterpiece what is it it's humor there's and, not a lot of humor and, on Asia. i'm not a black cow I don't think necessarily that song's humorous, uh-huh. but I, it's, it's the closest his, to, it. It's the closest yeah, yeah. to yeah. it. A lot, Under I mean, record. that to me, that's a big part, a big appeal of Steely Dan is their humor, and I don't. And Asia is a pretty straightforward affair, and I think that's the reason why it's not my number one, other than the fact that I think you know, home at last, and for me, I know, I I love all these songs, but I got the news, and even Asia, you know, they're not as good as the, the story other songs. songs
4: are yeah, maybe. so. Yeah. Musically, Asia is just, you know, incredible. It's well, fun. of course. Yeah. But the legend, of course, is that Steve Gadd played that drum part in one take. Which is amazing when you hear about, you know, right. they brought in eight guitarists for the other side and they liked it, and they said, oh yeah. Yeah, that's good. Thank yeah, you. you did it. Thank you, that's go home. Right. I yeah.
3: don't really want to shit talk it, though, so it's, you know. Right, sure. It's a, yeah. it's, <laughs> right.
4: it's a
2: great record. Yeah. Yeah. But,
3: you know, not my number one. <sighs> yeah.
1: It's tough. This is so hard.
2: I know. Hard. And, and listen, the only way that we're going to get to a ranking is if we all compromise. We well, all give up you know, I, I already
4: thing. said I'm willing to concede on Royal Scam, and that was our, our logjam at number four. We had two and two. Okay. If I give you in. You know, like, here's the
2: thing, you know. and I truly do mean this. If you give up Royal Scam at number four, <laughs> I honestly, and I don't mean this as like a compromise thing. Like and, I could see putting Camp by a Thrill at three. I could see that. Yeah.
3: I think that's
4: you want to do that, there. and then which means that well, so our who, top two are Asia and Countdown to Ecstasy. I mean,
2: which honestly is, is yeah is not yeah. behind well, that.
4: Then it's,
1: uh, no, I I mean I am fine with that, but if those are our top two, then Asia is unquestionably number one for me. Out between that and Countdown to Ecstasy, because I use? I wanted Countdown to Ecstasy lower a while ago. Yeah. So like, JC, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Remember, this is an arbitrary ranking that we're doing. This is an arbitrary ranking. You have we have all made our personal
4: opinions very
1: clear. Yeah. So yeah.
4: this isn't life or death. I'm willing to just make the rest of the list and be done. Yeah. <laughs> Move on to the second half.
3: I feel like I was in the same position on the Beck podcast and I made the uh yeah. I made the
4: safe choice.
3: Sure. And I hate to say it, but I think I'm gonna have to make the safe choice again. You can't deny the power of Asia.
2: Asia or Aha, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, or, or, <laughs> or Aja. Aja. Aja, or as Darren pointed out, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a drag queen named Aja, and it was really hard to speak to like retrain my brain to see those three letters. There was a commercial
4: actually on television at the time. They were actually advertising for you to go out and buy this record, which they don't do anymore. Yes, I but, remember this. Yes, but it basically was a take on the woman who's on the cover with the white and red stripe on her yeah. robe. And you see more of her because that's actually a robe disappears right. that disappears on the Right, and it's
1: a Japanese model. Yeah. Yeah. And because so they... she's
4: she's in this like, you know, dimly lit garden with water dripping and stuff and 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 I remember the voiceover was Asia, a place in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Is it? Is it? Well, it kind of is I And mean, I like, know. You know, then it was like Available well, everywhere you know, Listen We've it.
2: been talking about Steely Dan For almost 80 minutes <laughs> We found a way To come to a conclusion And that is On our ranking Number 9 Do against nature Oh god It feels so far long ago <laughs> Oh my goodness Number 8 Everything must go Number 7 Not JC's ranking But Gaucho <laughs> Number 6 Katie Lied Number 5 Pretzel Logic Number 4 The Royal Scam Number 3 Can't buy a thrill Number 2 Countdown to Ecstasy and number one, Aja. And let me just say, it is weird. I don't. He's Aja. A, I know, I did. <laughs> but like, it's a fascinating ranking. But guys, as you can clearly tell, with everyone that we have in the room, we have a lot more to say. That is why yes. we have a happy hour mini and We're gonna get to it right after this. In the meantime, though, Ned and JC. Thank you so much. Thank you. you for bet. being here. This was a hell of a this discussion. This is so great. I know. And, and the other thing, thank you, the listeners, for continuing what you do. Do us a favor. Jump on the iTunes. Uh, toss us a rating because when people genuinely rank things on the iTunes, that actually increases visibility so more people hear it. <laughs> so iTunes. like The is iTunes. Like the Facebook. The Facebook. I'm an old man. I mean, listen, I'd be, be between being here with all this. i are not
4: calling the number one record. The Aja. Yeah, the Aja. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's its own thing. But do us, uh, follow us on SoundCloud and all the other places. Thank you so much for listening, and in the meantime, keep on listening. You know that we'll be having
0: one good. The moment. I thought that I could myself.